Hello, and welcome to the TFM Podcast, the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. We're glad that you come back for this episode. Uh, I am one of your hosts. I'm Ben Palaz. I'm the Family and Children's Discipleship Pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and I'm joined by... And I am the good, rather the good in Christ, Reverend Anthony Allen Tresoni at Westminster Baptist Church, the family pastor there. Now, I'm Pastor Tony Tresoni, the family pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Well, it's good to be back with you, Tony, and we are excited to have a very special guest with us today. We've got pastor, author, speaker, Chap Bettis, who has uh, been a pastor in New England, planted a church there and uh, since for 25 years, and since then he has been uh, pouring his time into the Apollos Project to help equip parents and help churches uh, as they try to raise godly children and pass the gospel baton on them, uh, on to them, so that they might follow Christ as well, and then repeat the process. And so um, we are really excited to learn from his wisdom. And so, Chap, we will have plenty of questions for you in just a moment. But, uh, Tony, how have you been since we've spoken last? It's going well uh, and getting ready for enjoying fall. It's gotten cooler uh, around our neck of the woods and I've enjoyed uh, those pumpkin drinks. You know, not good for me, but uh, I enjoy them. Anything that kind of tastes like a liquid form of pumpkin pie is up my alley. All right, very good. Your grace. Well, um, let's get to our special guest. Um, Chap, welcome to the TFM podcast. Thanks for giving us your time so graciously, brother. Um, if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, sure. Um, I, uh, I grew up in, in Alabama in a uh, Southern Baptist church, and I think I made a genuine profession of faith when I was, a uh, probably about eight. Uh, and, um, ended up going, uh, well, started due to some issues. We can talk about this if you want to, but, uh, due to some issues, um, ended up questioning my faith and along the way went to a college in Rhode Island and at my secular college ended up being reconvinced or recommitting my life to Christ and also planting churches up here in New England. And along the way, married my wife of 29 years, Sharon, and we've got four children uh, who are 26, 24, 22, and 20. So we are entering the empty nest phase, and we're loving it, or I'm loving it. I'll put it that way. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, and uh, planted and pastored a church for 25 years, that, that same church. And then God That's changed cool. my heart to pursue this ministry called the Apollos Project, aimed at helping parents to pass the gospel to their kids. And so I've been doing that for full-time for four years. Great. Wonderful. You, now, you're not a Red Sox fan, are you? Well, I am, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, growing up in the South, I don't know, I missed the baseball gene. So uh, okay. instead, instead, I tell my kids, you know, we have the best of all worlds, and everybody hates us. So I'm both an Alabama Crimson Tide <laughs> oh, fan no. and well, a Patriots no. fan. <laughs> No. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, we can stop the interview right now. <laughs> it's part of the evil empire in, in multiple ways. Okay. Oh, yeah, you are. So Now, uh, that on the side, do you like to sell Apple watches to Red Sox? Uh, Red oh. Sox. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. That's, uh, I, just, I just read about that. So it's, it's uh, yeah. See, you need a Christian worldview there. So actually, uh, this is off, off our, where we're going, but, but for a long time, uh, knew the chaplain for the Red Sox, and there was a real godly influence there. 
you know, I, I think he spoke at uh, at Southern when I don't know if Tony was there yet or not, but uh, I do remember him coming to chapel once and, and talking about that. Amazing. So that that's encouraging to hear um, a, a gospel witness in probably yeah. a dark place. Yeah. Well, I'm sure their chaplain now talks to them a lot about signs and symbols and <laughs> right. <laughs> now, now, uh, chap, tell us a little bit about your church planning and pastoring in New England that helped uh, shape the vision, your vision for the Apollos Project ministry. Well, it ties in. I think it ties into um, really my whole story. So, I, like I said, I grew up in a in a uh, church that um, preached the gospel, and my family was a good family and you know, believed, was faithful to their church and believed. Um, uh, but I would say it was the hip, there was lots of hypocrisy in my church. Um, and then there was not a real, uh, apologetics ministry answering questions I had. Now I've never asked those to people. So no one ever just said, don't ask, but I, it was, it was kind of secretly in my head. So I would say when I came to college, I would have said church, maybe, and or sorry, Jesus maybe church no way, and and really got reconverted in in a in a uh, if you, to use that term broadly, but uh, recommitted my life to Christ. Realized that if 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 the purpose is not serving Christ, what else, what purpose is there? And then got reinvolved or got involved in a church planting movement in New England and Rhode Island at that time, and um, saw God's plan for the church from Scripture. Saw some some ecclesiology that I'd never seen before, and so got rejuvenated for the church and said, "New England is uh, Rhode Island specifically is about three percent evangelical, and we're sending missionaries to countries that have a greater mm-hmm. percentage of evangelicals. And so here I can be a missionary without a passport, without learning a new language, and so praise the Lord, pastor to church. And then along the way, wanted as my wife and I had four children, um, wanted to pass the gospel to them, and thinking about my own experience and." trying to figure out, okay, Lord, how am I going to do this as, as um, how are we going to do this as parents? And then God supernaturally brought a lot of ni- uh, like-minded parents into our church who were also very, wanted to be intentional. And we were just trying, we were discovering truths, thinking about this together. Uh, and so I was learning, even as a senior pastor, as I was learning from preaching the word and, um, you know, I believe scripture is sufficient. And so if it's, a, if it's sufficient, then it's sufficient for passing the gospel to our kids. And so I was searching the scriptures and thinking about things in my own mind and then, and then watching how other families who I respected were, uh, putting these things into practice themselves, uh, sometimes in different ways, but all, but having the similar values. And so, um, so our church, uh, really, uh, sought to be intentional in passing the gospel to their ki- our kids. And, and then because we were a church plan and because we could, we could implement, because I was the senior leadership and the, we were on the same page, we could implement different, different things in the church. So, and it started as a result of that, it started doing some speaking, um, on the side and, and some writing, I released um, the chapters from the book, The Disciple Making Parent, and re- released those in little booklets beforehand. And, huh. uh, and, and really just was, was doing some speaking and, and, and then out of nowhere, really had no plans um, to, to change. And then God changed my heart to say, you, you need to pursue this uh, full time. So this is my full time ministry. I'm supported by people who um, 
you know, have a heart for this ministry because the numbers are so shocking. 50, I think I can say with integrity, 40 to 50% of young people who grew up in a Christian home, uh, you know, will, will, will not walk with the Lord at some point. And that's, uh. you know, if I, if I went to the playground and, you know, I, and ultimately it's really about, not about numbers because, you know, think about it. I've got four kids. You guys have, you guys have three, but if I went to the playground and took the kids and gave mom a break and then I come home and, and say, well, she's like, you know, how was it? I say, great. I, I got three of the four kids, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> well, I've got 75%. What's the big deal? <laughs> so as a parent, you want all your kids to walk with the Lord. So, okay. um, Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that's just a little bit. I'm doing this full time now. And uh, the Lord. yeah, that's why. That's good. I bet you know, coming from Alabama, and I imagine I, we grew up in different different eras. But I mean, growing up in Alabama and I grew up in Georgia, probably our environments were probably closer than Tony's environment in the, the Upper Midwest. Um, as far as the cultural Christianity and you know the hypocrisy that you were talking about, and then and then going from there to New England, um, which from everything I know is a pretty spiritually arid place. Um, so um, I'm sure just in trying to raise a Christian, being Christians in Rhode Island, and then raising a Christian family um, would have made you guys like aliens. Yes, um, yeah. it feels that way. <laughs> But you know, Scripture says that we are we are aliens here, so uh, our home is somewhere else. <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, growing up in the northern Midwest for us, I mean, there was less culture Christianity because I think the people just more kind of focused on perfecting the art of cheese making. <laughs> that's right. Which is a worthwhile. Did you grow? Endeavor. Did you grow up in Wisconsin? Is that is that what that's a reference to? I grew up just south of the Wisconsin border. I grew up in Rockford, Illinois, uh, right on the border of Wisconsin. But, you know, my parents had a cottage in Wisconsin. I, I'm Badgers fan, so not far from. I mean, I, I grew up on getting five-year cheese and cheese curds, five-year cheddars and cheese curds and all that good stuff. Cool. Well, I was a Green Bay uh, Packers fan originally because of Bart Starr. So if that, ah, if that, yes. if that helps. Yes. Um, so, chat. what you, you sort of addressed some of the things that um, – led into starting the Apollos project um, were there any other factors that you said that you know the Lord turned your heart towards this um, just what all went into that uh, for the need for uh, equipping parents and and churches in in passing I think the term used passing the gospel baton yeah well I think I think as I realized uh, what the Lord had taught me that other other people were were kind of wrestling with this and I, and then I think also seeing we had some some folks in our church um, who were uh, in their 50s and 60s when I was was younger uh, than that, and and so they, you know, growing up in New England, they had I can think of one family, five children, and none of them were walking with the Lord. There, none mm-hmm. of these adult children, and another another family, good family, was very involved in the youth group in their their larger New England church, and and neither one of their children were walking with the Lord, and just realizing that really it's a, it was an extension of my heart to plant the gospel in New England. That in mm-hmm. fact, it's it's one thing to see someone profess faith, but it's also um, it's, it's also that needs to be passed on to their kids. And as I looked at resources out there, I, I wasn't seeing anything that I thought was saying the same thing 
that I was burdened for. And, and actually, if you think about it, the way the New Testament church grew was, yes, it was conversions, but it was also in, in passing the gospel to their kids and that their kids were, who were growing up um, in an, it, it would, would identify and say, yes, they were, they were Christians when they were adults and then their grandchildren. So, I mean, I know we think about our culture, culture is horrible and, 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 you know, United States is going down and, and I, I believe it is. But I also think, you know, the church is greater. And I saw, for example, I had the privilege of going and traveling to, um, uh, to Greece and Turkey. And I went to Corinth. And there's still uh, public graffiti that would be shocking and <laughs> over mm-hmm. here of all sorts of sexual nature, but, uh, yeah. hetero and homo. And, and so uh, just, and to think that, well, Corinthian Christian parents raise their kids in this environment and the gospel is that powerful. But I also, so, so to, to realize, but, but I don't think there's a resource out there that's, that's comprehensive, that's biblically rich, that's principle oriented, that, that, um, you know, doesn't, doesn't, um, you know, I wanted to be, and I try and be when I speak to be encouraging without being guilt, um, or challenging without laying guilt, uh, on parents. And so, yeah, so that's, that's what, and, and then God just changed my heart and said, you, you need to pursue this full time. The needs, the need is, is greater than just your little New England. So. No, praise the Lord that he did. I, that for many parents, um, that is one of the biggest opportunities they have as far as concentrated time and influence to make disciples of how many ever children the Lord entrusts to them. And, um, and like I said, I mean, the church growing through that. So um, praise the Lord that, that that's where he's brought you so far. Yeah, it's wonderful. So, yeah, and I want to say that, you know, I've been so I've been so encouraged. I've been listening to your book, actually, on audiobook. I saw a special, and that's how I was first exposed to your ministry. And my wife and I have been listening to it in our car and been blessed by that. And uh, it's amazing that uh, you took the time to narrate your own audiobook, but it's pretty cool in that way. And I know my wife, uh, after recovering from a surgery, was really blessed to be able to, she couldn't really look at anything because of eye surgery, but she was blessed that she could enjoy and listen to godly and biblical insight about parenting and disciple-making parent. And I want to thank you for that. Oh, well, you're, you're welcome. I, I just think in today's age, we're, we're, you know, we're reading less and it's, we almost, to me, it's almost, you have to do an audio book. If you, if you do the book, you have to do an audio version as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it was it's wonderful blessing to have that. Before I ask the next question, I was going to ask, uh, and I'll ask that right after. I was I want to ask you uh, that related to that book and related to some of the emphasis. One thing I saw that was really clear focus that you had was that uh, you showed that in parenting, parenting should bring us to our knees. And prayer, and just in general, bring us to our knees and humility and humble, humbly before the Lord. Why is that emphasis so? Why is that so important? Well, I think you know it's it's, it's interesting, but I really I think all the disciple making parent it starts with this theme that I live out the gospel at home, and so so many of the commands, New Testament commands that apply to us are, are all of Scripture if it's properly handled. Then then the question is, how do those apply at home? So if you're a church leader, then then 
you look and you talk, the Bible says, man, you've got to pray for anything to happen in your church. And if you're a church leader for any time, you, you know that, that you can kind of whip up a frenzy of the flesh there. But to, to have really long-lasting spiritual change in your church, you, you've got to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, yeah. I, can, I can do work, but you've got, to, you've got to show up as well. It's the mystery of uh, you know, the psalm that says, unless the Lord builds the house, the labors labor in vain. Well, who is it? The Lord is building or it's the labors? And it's both. And so, and, I, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's shocking in some ways how many parenting books don't have a chapter on prayer yeah, uh, because it's and and because I and I think functionally in some ways we think of parenting as a works program um, where if I put in you know X Y and Z yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get something out and the reason is because actually I think that's pretty true with little kids so little kids you know I'm I'm was a pretty strict parent and and. Uh, and it were and it does. I think it does. I think you know when the kids are little, you should be strict. But the the truth is, as you get older and you and you give them more yeah. appropriate freedom, and their heart gets deeper, you know. So I don't, you know, I don't think you ought to ask a three year old why are you having a temper tantrum. <laughs> just, <laughs> just deal with the temper temper tantrum. You know, I mean, to talk about you know probing their heart. It's like, well, he doesn't even know, and he doesn't, you know, whatever. That's not really the issue for a three year old, but for a thirteen year old that melts down. Now the question is, what's going on? And then, so their will kicks in, and the depth of their heart, and then the depth of their sin as well. So I think, and then, and then you know, bigger kids, bigger the bigger the kids, the bigger the problems. And so I think it becomes more like shepherding. Uh, it, it comes more similar to pastoral shepherding, where you're like, Lord, what do I say? When do I say at the right time? Do we apply? You know, do I do I step back and just cry out to you, or actually should I exercise some agency as a parent? And it just it's just you know, kids are given to grow us, and I think one of those things that it uh, causes us to do is to cry out to the Lord. So, and I I think I'll, I'll just throw in my little as long as we're having this conversation, I'll throw in my personal bias. It's not in Scripture, but I but I, I like to imagine that the reason that the that the father of the prodigal saw his son a long way off, which scripture says in that, that was part of the detail of the story is that he was up on the roof praying because like, so the prodigal is the ultimate case where you've lost control, you lost influence. And ultimately that's what, you know, as our kids get older, you know, you you guys had young kids and Mm -hmm. you know, you know, your six year old, well, at some point, um, or or three year old, some point they're going to be 26 and 36 and you're going to be around but your influence is going to be less in terms of direct directive influence but it's but you can still influence through prayer so praise the lord that's really good uh and to be clear chap doesn't have a chapter in his book on on prayer and disciple making merit he is two well thank yeah yeah yes you have two chapters on prayer so well, I'm I'm impressive. Them, and, and if i remember correctly one of them introduces them by saying uh you know other chapters I can say do as I say, but this one is just like I'm a fellow stumbling learner is with yeah. you because that nothing humbles a man like asking about their prayer life. So that's good. <laughs> now, are there any common are there common issues or problems that you've run across in your ministry related to the ways parents view and carry out their God given role as fathers and mothers? Well, I think the biggest that that the biggest temptation, and if I could ask the Lord to do anything just to change in in our country around the world i i think it's 
it's easy to say for parents to functionally say, well, church, you get them into heaven and I'm going to get them into Harvard. And Harvard is mm-hmm. uh, whatever those worldly successes we have for them. Uh, and oh yeah, that's why I bring them to church because I want them, I want them to get into heaven and, and um, not get anybody pregnant or, you know, do drugs or whatever. Uh, and, and yet I think the, the whole idea that, um, God has given you these, these little children. So the great commission is we're to make disciples of the nations. And that's why as churches, we, we go send missionaries and we go across the country. But, but, uh, a, a, another way I can participate in the Great Commission is by influencing these little souls that God has given me. And so, so once I realize that that's the big picture is to aim them towards loving and following Jesus Christ, now that starts to influence all sorts of other decisions that I make. So sh- how many sports should they do? How much dance should they do? When do you say no? When do you say yes? It, it's, it, it now becomes not about am I am I afraid of what other people are going to think? It's like, well, what's best for their soul? And it may be to do some some of those things. It may not. But but now, you know, asking what's what's um, what's good for their soul. So and then that so that's I think that's the most common one. Uh, and then for parents who are serious about passing the gospel to their kids, then I think you can get into where it's easy to think it's a cookbook and. Uh, if I put in a certain ingredients and keep out certain things, put them in the right environment, then they'll naturally follow the Lord. And that's just, that's just, it's not a cookbook. Um, uh, and anybody, any author who tells you it is, is just trying to sell books. Cause that's just, you know, you're, you're raising, you're raising kids, <laughs> you're not making a cake. I mean, it's really not, uh, I, you know, I compare it in the book, I compare it to more to a playbook. You know, you've got some plays you can run, but once you get into the, dynamic of the game and first quarter second quarter third quarter you know the devil's going to throw things at you and life is going to happen and and then their own heart you know some kids will react to pain by drawing closer to the lord other kids are going to turn their back so you're in there kind of as a, a a player coach figuring out okay what do i do now with this this dynamic so those are a couple i think that that are that are obvious those are good yeah, I like that analogy of the, the player coach because you you are on the field with them, but you also um, have the ability to to make some calls like that. And so, um, and I you you went where I thought you would go as far as the the busyness and the achievement. Um, get you know we'll get them into Harvard kind of thing. And uh, I, I was talking to another pastor over the weekend, and he had had a, a conversation with a family in their church that has not been coming regularly on Sunday. They, they help in other ways, but um, they've been traveling for softball and things, and they're, they're putting in a lot of time and money uh, to their, their daughter, who's very early in high school, into her softball career in hopes that she get a college scholarship. And, I mean, just aside from the spiritual issues, my thought was that the amount of money they're putting into this, you know, there are investment vehicles that, that if they put that in, you know, at this point, or we're doing this before for college, um, you know, that would take care of it. And again, that's just putting aside the spiritual concerns. But um, yeah, it can just, that's one of the biggest idols of our day, it seems. So chat with some of these problems that you've seen, what are the biblical, or some of the biblical solutions to these things? And and more specifically, how can parents take those and try to implement them and absorb them um, 
in a way that's that's consistent and that that transforms their thinking and their approach. I mean, that's a big question, but just, you know, have at it how you want. Yeah, I I think we want to pa- parent with eternity in mind and s- say, is is this really true? Is this Jesus thing really true? And as parents, good parents, you want to give your children the best. You're going to give your children what you think is best. And so those things you say no to and those things you say yes to reveal what you think is best. So if I really believe this Jesus thing and I really believe eternity is long, um, then I'm going to care, you know, care about their souls. And so I think first it starts in the parent's heart. Third uh, John four, John was talking about his spiritual children, but I think it applies to to parents as well, which just says, um, "I have no greater joy than to see that my children are walking in the truth." And so, so the first thing I think really is to say, "Do I believe that?" And I said to my kids, "I said, you know what? If you love Jesus, I don't care if you're, you know, you collect trash." I re- and I meant that. And there were other dads who kind of said the same thing. Now, of course, we're pushing them to develop their gifts in other ways. But I, I think first it starts with my heart, what I celebrate, you know, do I celebrate character? Do I, and, and, and I'm not a killjoy man. I mean, you know, my son's baseball team won the town championship, you know, little league. And so we, I mean, we're, we had a good time. And so I'm all for that, you know, but I, I think day in and day out, what are you celebrating? And do you love Jesus? What example are you seeing? Uh, are they seeing, um, you know, in your life. And then, and then once I realized how the kingdom of God plays out, then, okay, how do I, how do I pass that on to my, um, how do I pass that on to my kids? So, and then obviously being a part of a, of a, of a healthy church, um, where, where people are doing or are, are helping you do some of what I laid out in the disciple making parent. But you're, it's being reinforced by the word, you know. So my church, you know, as much as I say it, it, there was hypocrisy and whatever, they preached the true gospel. I heard the gospel. I was, I repented of my sins. I don't know. Is that is that what you're getting at? Do you want to ask a follow up question or? No, that's helpful. I mean, I actually I contacted you a couple weeks back, but you'd given me permission to copy something from a resource you had on your website at 31 Ways to Pray. And so, because we had a parent equipping thing here, uh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I was interviewing one of our, our other pastors who's, I mean, he's older than me, and, you know, he's got adult children, and talking about what he had done to pass on the faith and teaching his own children to pray. And, you know, one of the big things that we taught, you, you cannot pass on what you don't have. Right. And so, and that since you're kind of echoing that, um, that if, if our hearts as parents are not engaged by Christ, then our kids are going to pick up on it after a while. And I, I liked what you said about, you know, the things that you say yes to and the things that you say no to, it does reveal what we love and our, our kids will learn to value those things as well. And I think that's something that just is so important and that we need to remind ourselves of every day. And I really like your emphasis, you know, even celebrating if they're in Christ, if they're the trash man. They even think of, you know, the oldest child as uh, we're going through school stuff with her. And, and, you know, as every parent thinks, you know, their kid is so far ahead and so excited about what the, what their child is going to do, amazing things. And But, you know, I think we need to, so we need to hope and pray far more than that, that no matter what, whether our children and work at Burger King for the rest of their lives, they do so for the glory of God, and more so than they achieve great things for this world and do nothing for the Lord. 
Well, and I think, you know, we, that's part of where the body of Christ comes in. So we had, I mean, we had a, um, a guy in our church and just a simple faith. He was a Sears repairman, um, just a simple guy. But, but because, you know, we had chances for the church to, for people to get to know each other, share testimonies. So my kids, my kids knew him and, and I was able to point to him, even even as my kids were getting a college education, you know, and just say, "Look, Red, he could never have a he could never get a college education, but he here is a man of God who loved the Lord." And and I think mm-hmm. in God and God's economy, you know, Red Red is going to have a lot more of a heavenly re- reward um, because of his faithful, Amen, his, his pure heart. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening today to this episode of the TFM Podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed this interview with Chap Bettis and found it helpful. If you want to find out more from Chap, you can visit his website at theapollosproject.com. He's also on Facebook. Look for The Apollos Project. Follow him at Twitter, at Chap Bettis. Uh, Tony and I are also on Twitter, at Anthony Trusoni and at Ben Palaz. We'd love to hear from you uh, for episode ideas, questions, comments, uh, that kind of thing. And if you did find this episode helpful or just like the podcast in general, be sure to to like it, to share it, to repost it on social media, tell your friends, people in your church, um, families that you know. If you think that this would be helpful in advancing God's kingdom and in helping people to, to think seriously about these issues and how they affect what we do at church, what we do at home, how they affect our lives. So thanks again for listening and stay tuned in for episode two. Uh, Lord willing, it should come out in two weeks as we conclude this interview with pastor, author, speaker, Chap Bettis. Uh, Until then, Lord bless you.